book two chapter six of the leopard's spots by thomas dixon jr this librivox recording is in the public domain recorded by michelle fry book two love's dream chapter six beside beautiful waters when gaston tried to sleep he found it impossible his brain was on fire every nerve quivering with some new mysterious power and his imagination soaring on tireless wings he rolled and tossed an hour then got up and sat by his open window looking out over the city sleeping in the still white moonlight he looked into the mirror and grinned what is the matter with me he exclaimed i believe i'm going crazy he sat down and tried to work the thing out by the formulas of cold reason it's perfectly absurd to say i'm in love my wild romancing about a passion that will grasp all life in its torrent sweep is only a boy's daydream the world is too prosy for that now yet in spite of this argument the room seemed as bright as day and the moon was only a pale sister light to the radiance from the face of the girl he had seen that day her face seemed to him smiling close into his now the light of her eyes was tender and soothing like the faraway memory of his mother's voice it's a passing fancy he said at last after he had sat an hour dreaming and dreaming of scenes he dared not frame in words even alone he stood by the window again what a beautiful old world this is after all he thought as he gazed out onto the tops of the oaks whose young leaves were softly sighing at the touch of the night winds turning his eye downward to the street he saw the men loading the morning papers into the wagons for the early mail i wonder what sort of report of my speech they put in he exclaimed unable to sleep he hastily dressed went down and bought a paper on the front page was a flattering portrait two columns in width with a report of his speech filling the entire page and an editorial review of a column and a half he was hailed as the coming man of the state in this editorial which contained the most extravagant praise he knew it was the best thing he had ever done and he felt for the minute proud of himself and his achievement this contemplation of his greatness quieted his nerves and he fell asleep he was awakened by the first rolling of carts on the pavements at dawn he knew he had not slept more than two hours but he was as wide awake as though he had slept soundly all night i must be threatened with that spell of fever auntie has been worrying about since i was a boy he laughed as he slowly dressed it's now six o'clock and my train don't leave till nine he mused but am i going on that train that's the question the fact was now he came to think of it there was no need of hurrying home he would stay a while and look this mystery in the face until he was disillusioned besides he wanted to find out what mcleod's visit meant he had a vague feeling of uneasiness when he recalled the way mcleod had assumed about the general's house he had told sally he must hurry home on the morning's train for no earthly reason than that he had intended to do so when he came so after breakfast he wrote her a little note my dear miss worth my train left me will you have compassion on a stranger in a strange city and let me call to see you again today charles gaston he waited impatiently until he heard the train leave and then told the boy to make tracks for the general's house a peal of laughter rang through the hall when sally's dancing eyes read that note oh the storyteller she cried and this was the answer she sent back certainly come out at once i'll take you buggy driving all by myself over the lovely road up by the river 
i do this in acknowledgment of the gracious flattery you pay me in the story you told me about the train of course i know you waited till the train left before you sent the note sally worth now i wonder if that young rascal of a boy told her i wrote that note an hour ago i'll wring his neck if he did come here boy the negro came up grinning in hopes of another quarter did you tell that young lady anything about when i wrote that note no sir never told her nothin she just laugh and laugh fit to kill herself just quick as she reached a note gaston smiled and threw him another tip yes she's a knowin lady shows you bone i been dead lots of times fo dis gaston was tempted to ask him for whom he carried those former messages he walked with bounding steps his being tingled to his fingertips with the joy of living the avenue leading the full length of the city toward the general's house was two miles long before it reached the woods at the gate it seemed only a step this morning as he passed through the cool shade of the woods a squirrel was playing hide-and-seek with his mate on the old crooked fence beside the road his little nimble mistress flew up a great tree to its topmost bough and chattered and laughed at her lover as he scrambled swiftly after her she waited until he was just reaching out his arm to grasp her and then with another scream of laughter leaped straight out into the air to another treetop and then another and another until lost in the heart of the forest i wonder if that's going to be my fate he mused as he turned into the gateway again the majestic beauty of that gleaming mass of ivory on the hill with its green background swept his soul with its power it seemed a different shade of color now that he saw it with the sun at another angle its surface seemed to have a soft sheen of creamy velvet he paused and sighed why should i be so poor if only i had a house like that i'd turn that big banquet hall on the left wing into a library and i'd ask no higher heaven and he fell to wondering if it would really be worth the having without the face and voice of the girl who was there within waiting for him no he was sure of it this morning for the first time in his life the certainty of this conviction brought to his heart a feeling of loneliness and despair when he thought of his abject poverty and the long years of struggle before him and of that beautiful accomplished young woman rich petted the belle of the city the gulf that separated their lives seemed impassable i'm playing with fire he said to himself as he looked up at the graceful pillars with their carved and fluted capitals well let it be so let me live life to the deepest depths and its highest reach it is better to love and lose than never to love at all and he walked into the cool hall with the ease and assurance of its master sally greeted him with the kindliest grace i'm so glad you stayed today mr gaston i should have been really chagrined to think i made so slight an impression on you that you could walk deliberately away on a prearranged schedule i'm not used to being treated so lightly he tried to make some answer to this half serious banter but was so absorbed in just looking at her he said nothing she was dressed in a morning gown of a soft red material trimmed with old cream lace the material of a woman's dress had never interested him before he knew calico from silk but beyond that he never ventured an opinion to color alone he was responsive this combination of red and creamy white with the bodice cut low showing the lines of her beautiful white shoulders and the great mass of her dark hair rising in graceful curves from her full round neck heightened her beauty to an extraordinary degree 
as she walked the clinging folds of her dress outlining her queenly figure seemed part of her very being and to be imbued with her soul he was dazzled with the new revelation of her power over him have you no apology sir for pretending that you were going home this morning she said seating herself by his side you didn't ask me to stay with fervor it ought not to have been necessary didn't you really know i was not going yes i'm glad yes you see i am twenty-one years old and i've seen such things happen before she purred this slowly and burst into laughter now miss sally that's cruel to throw me down in a heap of dead dogs i don't even know don't you like dogs four-legged ones yes but i like my friends alive oh i didn't kill any of them they are all strong and hardy but if you're so domestic in your tastes why haven't you settled in life been waiting to find the woman of my dreams and you haven't found her not up to yesterday oh i forgot she said archly you're so timid honestly i was up to yesterday she murmured well tell me what your dreams demanded what kind of a creature must she be i have forgotten what forgotten the dreams of your ideal woman yes since when yesterday thanks we are getting on beautifully aren't we you will get over your timidity in time i'm sure he smiled looked down at the pattern of the carpet and did not speak for some minutes his soul was thrilled and satisfied in her presence as he lifted his eyes from the floor they rested on the piano will you play for me miss sally auntie says you play delightfully auntie who is auntie mrs durham my foster mother of course excuse my unconscious assumption of your familiarity with all my antecedents i can't get over the impression that i have known you all my life and that reminds me that i started to say something to you yesterday that was perfectly ridiculous but caught myself in time i wish you had said it mrs durham is a great flatterer of those she loves she thinks i can play but i'm the veriest amateur let me be the judge she was looking over her music and he had opened the piano i'll play for you with pleasure sit there in that big armchair i'm sorry i tired you so early in the day with my chatter and before he could protest her fingers were touching the piano with the ease of the born musician he sat enraptured as he watched the sinuous grace with which her fingers touched the ivory keys and heard their answering cry which seemed the breath of her own soul in echo she had an easy apparently careless touch to old familiar music she gave a charm that was new adding something indefinable to the musician's thought that gave luminous power to its interpretation he had no knowledge of the technique of music but now he knew that she was improvising the piano was the voice of her own beautiful soul and it was pulsing with a tenderness that melted him to tears suddenly the music ceased and she turned her face full on his before he could brush away a big tear that rolled down she flushed closed the piano and quietly resumed her place by his side and now you haven't told me how well i played you're the first young man so careless i have told you how the way you told me yesterday that you understood me with a tear i appreciate it more than words 
so did i he slowly said again there was a long silence but we do love to hear folks say in words what they think sometimes i confess i was immensely elated over the fine things the paper said about me this morning it's a wonder too our editor is a cranky sort of fellow i was afraid he'd say a lot of mean things about you but papa says you swallowed him whole did you wish him to say kind things about me of course of course she said and then the look of mischief came back in her eye were you not our guest i should have felt like whipping him if he hadn't said nice things then i'll tell you what i think about your playing you gave those strings a soul for the first time for me beautiful living throbbing that spoke a message of its own the piece you improvised i shall never forget much music seems to me the grasping of the infinite by hands that touch the impalpable and bringing it for a moment within the sphere of matter that a kindred soul may hear and see and feel she started to make some reply but her lips quivered and she looked away across the valley at the river and made no answer at dinner the general was in his most genial mood laughing and joking and drawing out gaston on politics and cotton mill developments and trying with all his might to tease his daughter as he took his departure for the mills he said young man i'd ask you to go with me and look at the machinery but i see it's no use i heard her twisting you around her fingers with that piano a while ago papa don't be so silly cried sally slipping her arm around him putting one hand over his mouth and kissing him go on to your work i'll entertain mr gaston indeed you will he shouted throwing her another kiss as he left he's the dearest father any girl ever had in this world i know you loved yours didn't you mr gaston mine was killed in battle miss sally i never knew him but i had the most beautiful mother that ever lived i lost her when a mere boy and the world has never been the same since i envy you i forgot forgive me she said softly looking up into his face with tenderness if i had only had a sister how my heart used to ache when i'd see other boys playing with a sister my poor little starved soul was so hungry i would go off in the woods sometimes and cry for hours i wish i had known you when you were a little boy i can't conceive of a dignified orator swaying thousands running around as a barefooted boy but you must have gone barefooted for i think papa said so didn't he indeed i did and sometimes i am afraid for the very good reason i didn't have any shoes well you wouldn't have worn them if you had i always wanted to be a boy just to go barefooted i think girls lose so much of a child's life by having to wear shoes but you never knew what it meant to want shoes and not be able to have them he said looking at the shining tips of her slippers peeping from the edge of her dress no but i never thought these things made a great difference in our lives after all i believe it is what we are not what we have that gives life meaning he looked at her intently i must get ready now for our drive the horse will be here in ten minutes enjoy the view on the porch until i am ready and she bounded up the stairs to her room in a few minutes she was by his side again dressed in spotless white as he had seen her first she lifted the lines over the sleek horse and he dashed swiftly down the drive oh the peace and bliss of that drive along the lonely river road by its cool green banks 
how he poured out to her his inmost thoughts things he had not dared to whisper alone with himself and god and then he wondered why he had thus laid bare his secret dreams to this girl he had known but twenty-four hours nonsense down in his soul he knew he had known her forever before the world was made ages and ages ago in eternity he had known her he turned to her now drawn by a resistless force as a plant turns toward the sunlight for its life how he could talk that day all he had ever known of art and beauty all he knew of the deep truths of life were on his lips sleeping forth in simple but impassioned words for hours he lay at her feet where she sat on a rock high up on the cliffs overlooking the river and poured out his heart like a child and she listened with a dreamy look as though to the music of a master at last she sprang to her feet and looked at her watch oh mamma will be furious it will be after sundown before we can get home we must hurry i'll make it all right with your mamma he replied as though he were skilled in meeting such emergencies don't you speak to her it'll be all i can do to manage her the twilight was gathering when they reached the house and an angry anxious mother was waiting high up on the stoop watch me smooth every wrinkle out of her brow now she whispered as she flew up the stairs before her mother could say a word a white hand was on her mouth and pretty lips were whispering something in her ears she had never heard before there was the sound of a kiss and he heard sally say not a word and the mother greeted him with a smile and a curiously searching look she chatted pleasantly until her daughter returned from her room and then left her again it was nearly twelve o'clock before he reached the hotel the next morning bob st clair broke in on him before he was out of bed look here you sly dog what are you doing slipping and sliding around here yet bob you're the man i want to see tell me all you know about the worths the worths which one there's only one so far as i can see well you may find out there's two if you should happen to collide with the general does he cut up at times he's all right till he turns on you and then you want to find shelter did you ever run up against him no i never got that far he's hail fellow well met with every youngster in town he will laugh and joke about his daughter until he thinks she is in earnest about a fellow and then he swoops down on him like a hawk i'll bet a hundred dollars he's playing you now for all you're worth against the latest favorite but miss sally she's an angel look here bob you're not in love with her well i'm convalescing at present my boy every boy in the town has been there but i don't believe she cares a snap for a man of us unless it's that big red-headed mcleod i can't make his position out exactly did she jolt you hard when you hit the ground easiest thing you ever saw she has a supreme genius for painless cruelty when the time comes she can pull your eye tooth out in such a delicate friendly way you will have to swear she hasn't hurt you you still go lord yes we all do sort of a congress of the lost meet down there they all hang on she keeps the friendship of every poor devil she kills you know you make the cold chills run down my back when you talk like that are you in love with her gaston to tell you the truth i don't know then what in the thunder have you been doing out there two days and nights if you haven't made love to her just basking in the sun well you are a fool eleven hours the first day and fifteen hours yesterday confound you don't you know a dozen fellows in town are cursing you for all they can think of what about 
why for trying to hog the whole time day and night she won't let a mother's son of them come nearer till you're gone well that's immense exclaimed gaston slapping his friend on the back don't be too sure she's just sizing you up she's done the same thing a dozen times before i don't believe it and he didn't go home until the end of the week when the last cent of his money was gone End of Book 2, Chapter 6